0: Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. But man, it's cold. I mean, look, in February, I'm ready for spring, okay? My kids have their baseball tryouts this weekend. You know, let's get going with the sunshine. But it is what it is. You know how it is in Texas. Uh, If you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes and it'll change. But I'm not here to talk about the weather. You know, on the Texas Values Report, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And we talk about them in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And although we focus on Texas, you know that the issues that we work on are impacted by things outside of our state. And certainly the work that we do in Texas impacts things throughout the rest of the country. So we want to jump right into our guest today. Eric Erickson is our guest today. Many of you know him from the blog, the uh, online resource, the website that he runs called The Resurgent. You know that he was worked for Red State at one point. One of the most thought-provoking and interesting and well-talked about voices when it comes to faith, family and freedom and conservative politics if you will in the country. Just a little intro about Mr. Erickson. He does have his undergraduate degree from Mercer University and a law degree from there as well. We might talk a little law today with Mr. Erickson. Eric, welcome to the Texas Values Report.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: Well, look, you know, I um, sort of crossed paths with you. I don't think we got to say a hello in person. You were in Texas not too long ago, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. You did, a, you did an event here in the Austin area, but most recently you wrote a piece about some laws that are being proposed in Texas. We brought some of this to your attention, and you know it's something that is not new in the state of Texas or out the country, but as far as how, how far some of these extreme measures are going and some of these things that are, we're involved in, we're talking about, for our listeners, the efforts by some people proposing bills in the Texas legislature and, as we call these, the ban the Bible bills, because whether... It's in, I guess, word or deed to make a biblical reference. There are efforts by these legislations, by LGBT advocates, and so on, to put gender identity and sexual orientation into law, and then to create new government, criminal penalties, punishments, but really directed around punishing people of faith because of their biblical views regarding marriage and sexuality. And you wrote a very thought provoking piece about that. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that piece and and why it really matters to you what happens in Texas.
1: Well, we're seeing a trend nationwide, and Texas tends to be at the forefront of these things for conservatives because uh, progressives understand that they can make a win in Texas, they can probably make a win elsewhere. And what they're doing is they're trying to essentially say that any contractor, anyone who gets a state contract in Texas... Uh, they've got to affirm uh, progressive orthodoxy on transgenderism, on gay marriage, on, on things the like. So if you have a small business that's run as a, by a family, it's a Christian-based business, they would prohibit Christians from being able to get contracts with the state of Texas uh, because, for example, a Christian business probably doesn't have, provide for abortions in its insurance plan. It probably doesn't pay for uh, sex reassignment surgeries for people who are transgender and they want to they want to wipe that out if you're if you have someone who subscribes to biblical orthodoxy in Texas suddenly they would not be able to compete on a level playing field the Texas state would have to pick and choose we're we're seeing this nationwide and again Texas is at the forefront of this because progressives know if they can find a way to convince republicans in texas to do this it'll be even easier to find republicans elsewhere to do this if for example in georgia where i am texas was able to pass legislation that prohibited discrimination against faith-based adoption agencies in georgia they haven't been able to pass a law like that because uh... progressive groups have been able to intimidate republicans if they can find a way in texas to roll that back they will most assuredly be able to prevent other states from passing laws like that.
0: No, that's a great point. We're talking with Eric Erickson. He's the editor of The Resurgent. He also hosts a radio show called The Eric Erickson Show on WSB Radio, and he's been a contributor to CNN and and Fox News for quite some time and appears regularly on NBC News' Meet the Press and also HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. I gotta check that out. I haven't been an HBO subscriber in a while, but but I might have to find a clip of yours and see uh how things mix it up. I also hear that you're pursuing a degree or you're you're in seminary, is that right?
1: I am. I'm actually, I've been in a Ph.D. program working on my degree in theology. I had moved from a master's program at Reformed Theological Seminary into the Ph.D. program at Southeastern Baptist. And I think I might have bitten off more than I can chew, but I spent a lot of time on my own show talking about faith and, and culture and wanted to beef up my knowledge of it, be able to talk more about it.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and here's the thing that really underscores what's happening on these pieces of legislation that we're talking about, that you talk about in your piece. The piece on the resurgence called The Left Tries to Ban Christianity in Texas, and it's gotten a lot of traffic. I don't know what your numbers are from your vantage point in the back end on your website, but I know through some of what we're following on social media, particularly the hashtag ban the Bible, and it usually has the word in front of it, oppose, oppose ban the Bible bills. There has been Probably some of the most amount of traffic we've had on social media in quite some time, particularly as it relates to one particular hashtag and message. But here's the thing: All right, you're, you're studying in the seminary. I think there are a lot of people that forget where these beliefs come from. You know, that and so with with the messaging that we're having and really the concern about opposing things that ban the Bible. This, these, le- these pieces of legislation, and, and if you go to uh, Eric's piece on the resurgent, you can see a list or our website, House Bill 244, House Bill 254, Senate Bill 151. There's quite a few of them. We know that's what they're about. When they put sexual orientation, and gender identity, in law, they want people to have government power, new expanded government, And they use that as a weapon to punish people of faith, whether it's a Christian cake baker, a Christian counselor, a wedding venue, even Christian ministries. There is one of these bills, Eric, that um, if not altogether, in large parts, repeals the law we passed last session, protecting faith-based adoption and foster care providers. And so but I think a lot of people have, you know, maybe or not, they're forgetting Where these beliefs come from, they are coming primarily for people from the Bible. And yes, there are people that really read the Bible and really believe it, and it really matters to them.
1: Well, this is kind of the arrogance of the political left, that they've substituted one form of religion for another. I always tell people, even on my own radio show, that there's really no such thing as an atheist. There there may be someone who doesn't believe in the God of creation, but everybody worships something. And what we're seeing with progressive secularists is, is they're worshiping causes, and they're taking on religious zeal for other things. Well, I mean, look, for, for example, at this Green New Deal that they're proposing, Is it, it's Based in a form of religious zealotry, that they have this belief that they need to cleanse the world in some way, and they're operating under f- religious principles. What they've decided, though, is that all other religions are bad and must be shut out. It, it's it's they're going through a secular Inquisition, if you will, of people of faith.
0: Well, and you make a great point in your piece. Uh, once again, Eric's piece is called "The Left Tries to Ban Christianity in Texas." You can find it on the Resurgent. And at one point you say you're, you're talking about the, the efforts here in Texas and maybe in, in a large part others. They want to ban Christianity in all but name. This continues a long line of thought, first advocated by the Obama administration, which sought to restrict the free exercise clause of the First Amendment to simply, and you don't use the word simply, but I think that's the point you're making, to a freedom of worship standard. In other words... Be a Christian in church on Sunday, but nowhere else. And, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And that's well, why they're that's why they're they're proposing these laws. They don't think that they're going too far. They think there is a difference, but the Constitution sees it otherwise.
1: Very much so. And it, you had a nine to nothing uh, rejection of the Obama administration's argument, even by his own appointees, Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, even. Uh, saying that uh, the freedom uh, uh, to exercise your religion is more expansive than that. But this is a a line of European thought we see in France as well, where uh, you can be Jewish, you can be Christian, you can be Muslim, or you can be French. And uh, France takes a very strong position uh, that you only exercise your faith uh, for an hour on your day of worship. Uh, wherever you go to synagogue, church, or mosque. And the Obama administration and secular progressives have adopted that in this country, that you can either be American or you can be Christian. You can't balance the two. And their view of being American is is very much you have to be a secular progressive who favors a litany of issues that conflict with people's faith.
0: Well, and the other thing that's interesting about this, too, if you look at a lot of the efforts by LGBT activists and, and and maybe others on the left. A lot of the message we heard at some time was leave us alone. You know, let us love who we want to love. We just want to, you know, don't stay out of keep the government out of our bedrooms and, and things of that nature. But here they are being the aggressor, being very aggressive. And, and there are pieces of legislation that have been filed since your piece. More have been filed. And so they they clearly want the government involved. So now their narrative has changed. I guess they have some political power. Now we're finding out, oh, it's not just about what they want to do in the privacy of their own bedroom, for that matter. It's about really punishing people that disagree with them. I mean, they've moved a long way from Obergefell, if that was ever as far as they wanted to go to begin with.
1: Very much so. Listen, we've got a situation here in Georgia where a a football coach was fired for praying with his students. Uh, This has happened around the country. It's happened here in Georgia, which is perceived as a conservative state. So a member of the Georgia legislature has proposed legislation that merely says uh, teachers and coaches can't be fired for praying on the job. And the gay community is now attacking the legislation, saying this is anti-gay. Uh, not that, it's, not that it's, it's just defending someone's ability to practice a religion, but that somehow praying is anti-gay. They're attacking the state representative's restaurant in, in North Georgia, leaving terrible reviews on social media, trying to drive him out of business merely for proposing legislation that says you can't be fired for praying on the job if you're a teacher.
0: Well, look, I was asked a question yesterday with a local reporter about, well, if they put some religious exemptions in place and carve some religious organizations out, you know, would you guys be okay with that? Our experience is usually the way they're written is not effective. It's, you know, there are some problems with it. And it really is not what this issue has been about anyway. I mean, our experience has not been that they're looking for a way to respect the religious freedom rights of organizations and entities. And I kind of made the comment that, yeah, look, when I see these religious exemptions, Exemptions. I wonder whether or not Jesus and his disciples could, you know, um, follow their beliefs based on some of these restrictions of a so-called exception. And so, and I'll take it a little bit further. I just, and we're talking with Eric Erickson, the editor of the Resurgent, very well-known political and conservative commentator. It's, uh what, what we saw a few years ago, right after Obergefell, the same-sex marriage decision of the Supreme Court, was the ACLU came out after that decision, I believe, if it wasn't Hobby Lobby, and said, we no longer support the Religious Freedom Restoration Act at the sta- at the federal level because we know that Christians are going to use it to claim religious freedom on their view on marriage. So, I mean, they haven't really right. been hiding their position.
1: No, and it, what we're seeing is that the, the way they've defined how to let Christians do this is yeah. you've got to be behind an organization. It's very progressive to make people be in a collective to exercise their rights. They don't want people to individually exercise their individual rights to freedom of expression of religion.
0: No, that's right. We're talking with Eric Erickson. Eric, let's talk a little bit. I mean, look, you run, uh, you have a, a radio program and a radio show And I know it's based in the Georgia area, but I'm sure you talk a lot about things nationally. We're looking at some of these issues um, that have happened and some talk at the State of the Union. The State of the Union earlier this week um, was the life issue. And there was a lot of issues touched on, but a lot from folks that were around were really encouraged by what some of the things the president said about the issue of life, about um, unborn children and, and things of that nature. And, and, and I think clearly a response to what we saw in Virginia and also in New York. What was your take on that?
1: I think the State of the Union was a very solid speech, probably the best speech given by the president. It was phenomenal, I think, that he highlighted the issue of life and particularly what was going on in New York and Virginia because I have found it very striking, and it hasn't gone noticed by a lot of conservative press, that the New York Times editorial page has called for these pieces of legislation to be passed nationwide and has refused to actually report on their passage. So you have the New York legislation pass, and the Virginia legislation be proposed and the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, they never even reported on it because they don't want people to actually know what's going on. They want the legislatures to be able to uh, pass these pieces of legislation under the cover uh, of night without ever being noticed for the president to shine the spotlight on it, I think, was very useful.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know... (laughs) <laughs> I mean it's you could argue it's it's a continuation of a campaign promise to some extent I mean he talked about the life issue it came up in debates and I think a lot of people were like well let's see if he really if he'll back that up and and I think we've continued to see that and you look I mean there's no better place or, or place that's going to get more attention or if you want to make it clear where you stand is the State of the Union address. I, I'm trying to think, and uh, and I don't know that I've seen them all in the past 10 or 15 years, but it'd be hard-pressed for me to remember uh, the last time the life issue was talked about so strongly and clearly. So I thought it was very encouraging. Before we lose you, uh, you had an event here in Texas last year in the fall, or right, I think, towards the end of the summer, maybe in August, I'm trying to remember, I believe. And yeah, um, and great turnout. You had Ted Cruz there and, and, and other individuals Talk to us a little bit about that work uh, of part of what you do in hosting these types of events and why it was important to come to Texas.
1: Well, we do it every year. We're actually we're going to do one in August this year in Atlanta, um, and it, it's important for me to do these because the Resurgent really focuses on grassroots activists, particularly faith-based conservative activists, and all of the major conservative conferences in the country uh... really charge an arm and a leg to get people there Uh, they may give scholarships to college students but otherwise for grassroots activists you're, you're busting your family budget to get to one of these things so we try to rely on good sponsors that we want to talk to this past year internet privacy was a big issue so we invited google and facebook and they were able to help sponsor the event so that we keep costs really really low for grassroots conservatives to then come and one of the the big things that we insist every speaker do is take questions from our crowd. So you had um, Secretary of Energy Perry there, Senator David Perdue from Georgia, the then gubernatorial candidate Brian Kemp, Ted Cruz was there, and they all had to take questions from the crowd and sit on stage with me, not just give a big speech, but actually have a conversation about issues that matter. And I I think that format works, and we're able to keep the cost really low for grassroots folks who want to come.
0: No, look, and I was really appreciated that myself and a few members of our team were able to be there in attendance. You know, We're probably three or four blocks away from where the event was held. Our office is two blocks from the Capitol. And we picked up on a few things that you did because a month later we had a similar event that we had been working on and we did it for the first time and it's no easy task. And so I salute you for the work that you do and we continue to try to take notes from what Well, people, it, it, yeah, it's before. hard,
1: but it's rewarding.
0: Yeah, no, it's worth it, absolutely. All right, before we lose you, I want you you know I know you served in, in public office locally and um, in the in Georgia, Macon, I believe, right on the city council. Yeah, Macon, Georgia. So, t- just I, I'm just curious, and I, I'm not you know. I'm just curious your perspective. We see a lot of things happening in Texas. We were in Carrollton, which is in Dallas-Fort Worth area earlier this week, and they passed a law that put sexual orientation and gender identity into their state, excuse me, into their local law. There is a new ordinance that relates to political appointments, contracting with the city, their city employees, a whole host of things we're concerned about, and we testified against it. Tell, tell me your take on What's happening at the local level with, with cities, if you will, because Texas is still red, if you will. You got a lot of Republicans at the state level and maybe some county levels, but it is changing. In boy, it seems like these cities are taking advantage of a lot of power that they think they have that um, I don't agree with.
1: Right. Well, Part of it is you don't have a lot of conservatives who step up and run or even know how to run to get elected on a city council, uh, putting in the time, knocking on doors, getting getting to know people. So you have the same people getting reelected, and it makes them feel very safe. They can do things like that. They also think with the decline of local media – that fewer and fewer people are going to notice what they're doing so they can do these things. Really, I encourage conservatives across the country and to talk about this a lot on my radio show, find out how to get involved in your local political party, how to become a precinct chairman, how to become, uh, in your county Republican party, for example, find out how to run for office, knock on doors, show up at these meetings. The more likely conservatives are to show up at meetings of city councils and let others know what's going on, the less likely they are to do stuff like this. City councils in suburban texas are way more liberal typically than their actual voters but the voters don't understand what they're doing
0: i tell you what i was at the poll ah, three or four years ago at our city and i was living in a smaller city i just moved over the summer but a little small suburb of, of the austin area and i one of the candidates came up to me and said hello and i said hi i said who'd you vote for for president and she, I mean, just had this look on her face like she was terrified. And she kind of uh, um, and said, almost whispered to me, I, I voted for Obama and like got off. I am like, you know, you're not used to answering questions. And so uh, anyway, she you know, it, it's interesting how they can play out. But I think you're right. A lot of people aren't aware. They're not thinking about it. They're elected officials, too. We got to hold them accountable and we have to have good people willing to run Eric we've really enjoyed having you on the show. I want to thank you too, just directly for your work in covering this issue on these bills that uh, these ban the Bible bills that we're opposing in the state of Texas. And I just want to encourage you also, if you see an opportunity to talk about them in the future, we're just in February in our legislative session. It ends in May. And I don't think the groups that are behind this and the, and the members are done. I think they, they do have an uphill battle, but with the numbers changing a little bit from our state elections It could get close. And, you know, we appreciate any coverage or any attention you continue to draw on our issues.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks very much for having me.
0: All right. God bless you, Eric. Well, great stuff. Oh, we went a little over 15 minutes with Eric. We appreciate him being willing to do that. And as as I mentioned before, you can go to his website, theresurgent.com, and see some of the writings and the issues that he's covering. Wide audience. The guy knows his stuff, he's seen quite a bit. And so great to give them perspective, but also it's great to see people realize, hey, you know, if there are things of concern, even in Texas, we can't take our eye off of it. We can't, you know, think, oh, well, you know, th- these things will all get dealt with in Texas. We don't really need to draw attention to it. You need to get attention to these things early. I mean, that's been our goal with the issue on opposing these ban the Bible bills. We put out a second press release actually this week because this is state legislation on these issues that are, you know, there there are uh, more bills that have been filed since uh, two weeks ago when we first did our release. And look, the natural response to this, it's clear that we need religious freedom protection in our state law. I mean, that's the missing element is the other side realizes that we don't have a state law that's updated that says if you're a private, business owner, like a cake baker, a florist, a wedding venue, whatever the case may be. And someone, and you have a religious view based on same sex marriage or the marriage issue that the folks that are trying to force you to do these things, they they can't punish you from doing it. But that's what the, the other side wants to do. They want to create new government, new laws that put the government in a position of controlling people's lives on these issues and punishing private business owners. And you have to remember I mean, we had a mayor here in Texas that subpoenaed the sermons of pastors, okay? People's perspective on what they think is off-limits can be drastically different than what you think. And there just does not seem to be that respect for religious freedom that there used to be. And a lot of it is because of the political power that folks in the LGBT movement Um, have gathered together and created whatever it may be. And I'm not trying to say that they're all the same. There are people that I've come into contact with quite a bit that consider themselves gay and do not agree with running over religious freedom. They don't agree with these laws that some people are trying to create that punish people of faith. They are, as best as they can, just trying to coexist. They are just trying to live their lives and you know, whatever it is they choose to do, they're not trying to—I mean, look, these bills, I, I I mean, I'm just telling you, I work on these things every day. It's hard to not see them as really targeting people of faith. There's no reason to go this far, in, in our opinion. There's no reason that you should face civil or criminal penalties as a counselor because you want to use the Bible when you counsel someone who doesn't want— to give in to same-sex attraction. Who doesn't who wants to resist feelings that they're a man but they feel like maybe they should be a woman. They know that it's not biblical as a part of their beliefs, so they don't want to they don't want to do that. So they want to get support to resist doing that. Why should they not have the freedom to go to a counselor and discuss these matters and receive support? Why should a counselor not be able to use these references from the Bible and have their counsel be biblically based? It happens all the time. There are people that engage in a whole lot of activities that are not illegal, but they're not biblical, and people want to live their lives to a different standard, not just about, well, the law doesn't prevent me from doing this, but the Bible says that it's wrong. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and I could get into a whole host of examples, uh, but I'm not going to at this point to resist the temptation by some to say, oh, you're comparing that to homosexuality. My point is this. There are a lot of people that live their lives truly based on biblical principles. It, it is not a political movement for them. I'm not saying it is for others either, But and I think that was part of Eric's point. You know, there's some people that think that you have a freedom to worship, but that's just on Sunday. And Monday through Saturday, you should live some other kind of life or you shouldn't be able to hold yourself to those same standards. Um, you know, I don't know about folks in the audience, but it is very common for Christian counselors to use a Bible as part of their counseling session. It is very common for counselors to pray with people during a counseling session. It is very common for clients to ask for their counsel, counselor, excuse me, to share a prayer with them before the session ends or during the session. It's very common for Christian counselors to have a Bible in their office. So that, you know, and that's House Bill 517 that specifically relates to that issue. But we know about the Christian cake baker case that had to go up to Supreme Court because of a biblical-based belief. If he is not allowed... To run his business, if the government forces him to write something on a cake and design a cake with a message that goes completely against his views that are in the Bible, they have banned the Bible from his life. If he can't, li- it's not just about reading it and thinking it. It is about living it out. That's why it's called the free exercise clause. Okay, it, it is not just about what's in your mind. It's about how you're able to live. And why is the government getting involved in that business? Now, look, there are some people, they don't want the government to take sides at all. Great. But that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing, let's just coexist, let's be tolerant of each other, and let's not try to force people to do something they don't want to do. No. That is what is is desired by many people. That's what's desired in these ban the Bible bills, is to use the government to force people to do something that violates their conscience or to punish them for not doing it. You can support our efforts at TXValues.org. March 13th is our Faith and Family Day at the Texas Capitol. March 13th is the Faith and Family Day at the Capitol. That's the day you get educated on these issues. You can get matched up with the Texas members. And you can make a difference. Go to TXValues.org for more information. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.